0: Hello dear listeners, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions. The show where we tell fictional stories about humanity's strange beliefs. Today concludes our four-part series on the astrology of love. We've talked about the different ways zodiac signs influence our personalities and how they affect our relationships. Whether in the initial stages of attraction, the viability of a marriage, or a childhood crush. Astrology gives us a framework for why some couples are made for each other while others crash and burn. Yet today, we're talking about soulmates, a term often used to describe the most intense of relationships. It's that deep-rooted feeling of I've known this person all my life. It's serendipity. It's fate. And in astrology, this comes from something called karmic nodes your karmic nodes aren't planets per se but mathematical points in your chart based on the earth and moon's orbits at the time you're born everyone has a north node and a south node and they're always opposites like pisces in virgo or taurus and scorpio But unlike sun, moon or rising signs, your nodes aren't things you would necessarily see in behavior or feelings. They have more to do with karma and your life's purpose. Your south node represents a life or way of being you've lived many times. It's the realm in which you thrive, the behavior that's comfortable and safe. Your North Node, on the other hand, is the part of life you must focus on to be fulfilled. It's the area of life that makes you most uncomfortable. This can guide you toward your one true love. And though finding the right one might seem impossible, think of your North Node as your North Star. It's there to guide you in uncertain times. So, for one last time, we'll tell a story about looking to the stars for some answers about love. Only this time, it's not about who the other person is. It's about whether they push our main character along on her karmic journey, as she finds out if love can truly be written in the stars. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a Virgo Cancer Virgo meets her worst nightmare.
1: It feels like we're all being told to go on this
0: diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that?
1: Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like...
0: What the fuck is going on?
1: Forget the crap online and listen to Science Verses. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes.
0: What is a ghost's favourite fruit? Booberries.
1: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon.
0: It was the summer of 2050 in Hanover, New Hampshire. The air was humid and very, very warm. At the town farmer's market... Daisy Clementine set up her stand ready for what she expected to be another strong day of sales. She laid out each basket of goods. Her spread of kale, lettuces, cucumber, radishes, and berries was meticulous as always. But best of all were the carrots. Big, bright, and perfectly crunchy. Daisy had lived most of her life as an astrologer, consulting celebrities, CEOs, and even the queen on their love lives. Her sister Luna was a political consultant, but Luna passed away 10 years ago when a DC hurricane took out the power and Luna's ventilator. That was when Daisy realized she needed a change. She was in California at the time. Fires and evacuations had become a part of her life year after year. She wanted someplace safer. So she retired from her business, packed her bags and took a hyperloop to New Hampshire There, she bought herself a small house on a large lot, then bought seeds for a garden. Daisy planted by the moon cycles and researched crops that grew best in this climate. She used the latest technology to measure the exact conditions of the soil. Soon, she was the lead gardener in town. She lobbied for a series of laws around what should and shouldn't be grown to maximize the health of the town's soil. She used charts, statistics, and a hefty amount of research to make her case. The bills passed by a large majority. She'd done a lot in her lifetime, and yet, despite consulting others on their love lives, she'd never had a partner. It wasn't for lack of trying, just she'd never found the right one with the right chart. Someone always had too much Libra or too much Scorpio, or their Venus didn't align with hers, or their Sun and Moon combination was a disaster waiting to unfold. Her sister used to remind her of her karmic nodes, how this was something she needed to work on. She needed to change her mentality in order to move forward. You've got your south node in Virgo, you like logic, order and systems, but your north node in Pisces, you need to learn to use your intuition more, listen to your gut. She knew this, of course, but it was easier said than done. She didn't know how to listen to her gut, nor did she think that would really help her love life. Dating was just difficult. Then, one day, she met a climatology professor named Elliot. It was at a coffee shop near the university. He was ahead of her in line and turned around to introduce himself. He had neatly combed white hair and wore a navy v-neck sweater and slacks. Capricorn rising, definitely. He wanted to talk to her about her garden. He pulled a chair out for her before she sat. Daisy enjoyed the conversation. He was kind, polite, and asked her out to dinner. She didn't feel anything really, but he was a Taurus. Stable, grounded, good for her Virgo moon. His moon was in Pisces, which was perfect for her watery Cancer Sun. Their alignment was right. They'd been dating for a year. She'd grown frustrated he hadn't asked her to marry him yet, even though she'd expressed her desire many times. But she could be patient. He was a Taurus, after all. Slow and steady would win the race. That morning, at the market, he walked up to her stand, a bouquet of lavender in his hand. He pulled out a sprig and handed it to her. For the gardeness extraordinaire, he said. Daisy smiled. He was always very sweet. I am working, you know, she said. I know. I was only dropping by to ask you to dinner tonight. Daisy pulled out her tablet for payments. Is this a special dinner? she asked. Elliot kissed her on the cheek and said, Where's something nice? As Elliot walked away, all Daisy could think was that he was up to something. She rubbed her ring finger. A proposal, maybe? She returned to her produce more confident and content than ever. She might be older, but she could still be giddy about the thought of getting married, right? So she tried to enjoy the moment, except her joy was soon interrupted by some very loud whistling at the stall next to hers. Daisy turned, a man she'd never seen before plopped a canvas bag onto his table, He was about her age, maybe 70s, with spindly legs and a plum-coloured fedora. She'd never seen him before, as the stand was normally occupied by a dairy farmer from Woodstock. "'What's happening, Carrot?' He flashed a smile, and a strange, warm sensation trickled through her body. Something tingled in her torso. Daisy shook her head. Probably just the wind. She was about to ask if he was new when he pulled out a round, spiky fruit. Durian." Her jaw dropped. He couldn't sell that here. It was illegal. What's happening is that you are selling exotic fruit at a market for local produce. He laid the fruit on the table and sliced through its pokey spine. The smell was awful, like rotten socks. Well, it's a good thing I grow it in my backyard, ain't it, Carrot? He said, putting a piece into his mouth. My name is Daisy, not Carrot. She said. He wiped his fingers on his pants and held out his hand. My apologies, but I know who you are, Daisy. Name's Robbie. Triple Aquarius. Daisy shook his hand, if only to be polite. He returned to snacking on his durian, his lips smacking loudly. Triple Aquarius. Made a lot of sense. You ever just get the urge to munch on those carrots of yours, just to make sure they're good? Daisy glared at him. No. He didn't say anything after that, like he'd finally gotten the hint. The rest of the morning, she tried to ignore Robbie and his durian. It was a stupid fruit that didn't grow well in New Hampshire, let alone the United States. Nobody would buy it. Except, soon, a woman wheeled her stroller to his stall, remarking at the bright green color of the fruit. Robbie handed her a taste and she moaned, then handed it to her baby. Soon, a long line formed. Daisy's carrots sat unconsumed. He smiled at her again, only this time she found it infuriating. Looks like this town was in need of something different, don't you think, Carrot? Robbie said. Overhead, the sky turned dark. The temperature dropped. It didn't look like it was going to rain, just getting a little cold. She didn't need to go home, but by then, Daisy was infuriated with Robbie. She picked up her produce, carried it to her trunk, and told the car to drive her home. That afternoon, Daisy put in extra work on her garden. She used a water thermometer to check the exact wetness level of her soil, adding exactly enough water to ensure each plant grew in the right conditions. Then she tilted the shades and checked the amount of sunlight on her tablet. Exact measurements always got her the best produce. Yet just as she knelt down beside her cucumbers, she heard someone come in through the gate. Daisy turned. It was Robbie. Howdy, he said. What are you doing here? She asked. I heard you were the town's master of produce, so I came to learn your secrets. Daisy returned to her garden, packing soil into the bed. There's no secret, just guidelines and rules. Robbie knelt down close to her and stroked his chin, as if studying her work. How about I just watch, then? Daisy paused for a moment, her jaw clenching. She wanted to ask him to leave, but her heart raced too much to find the right words. So she didn't. Fine, but step back. You're so close, I can feel your breath. He did as he was told, and Daisy continued working. But as she watered the cucumbers, pruned the hedges, and picked oranges off a tree, consulting her manual at every step, Robbie kept making noises. Like, hmm, and huh, and oof. As if she was doing something wrong. Finally, she'd had enough. You have a problem? Robbie backed away, raising his hands as if he'd been caught. No, no, it's just, uh, well... Have you taken a look at your plants once? The carrots are withering. Daisy glanced at the tablet, then held it up to Robbie. That's not possible. These conditions are exactly ideal. Robbie smirked. Maybe you should check the plants, not the measurements. Daisy rolled her eyes and told him her carrots were just fine. I don't know about that, he said, picking up a water canister. You can't always just follow the rules and expect them to work. Sometimes you have to look at whether the plants actually like their soil and let your intuition be your guide. Then he poured the water on the soil. Daisy stood and pointed to the gate. That's enough. You can leave. He held his hands up like he was being arrested. Okay, okay. I'm leaving, Carrot. You're a tough root to crack, you know that. Daisy shoved him out the door and latched the gate closed. Her heart pounded and her stomach felt weird. She didn't know why Robbie made her so flustered. She didn't like it. She especially didn't like what he had said about the plants or the way he just wasted water defying regulations about the soil. He was just such an Aquarius. But no matter, she had her date with Elliot that evening perfect Elliot, who was grounded and ambitious and always followed decorum and rules. He took her out to dinner downtown. They were seated on the back patio, the table illuminated by string lights. Elliot ate a spinach pasta and Daisy risotto, though she didn't pay much attention to the taste. Instead, they spoke about Elliot's kids and his students, how hopeful he was for them. It was sweet. Then, right after their plates were cleared, Elliot reached across the table and grabbed Daisy's hand. My dearest, I've been so in love with you since the day we met. You always said that I was the partner you've been waiting your whole life for. So please, do me the honors. He slid out of his chair and, carefully, as if aware of his age, knelt down on the ground. And marry me? Marry me, Daisy thought. This was what she'd been waiting for her whole life, and yet no tears rushed to her face. She didn't faint. Her hands didn't even shake. She wasn't as happy as she thought she'd be. She felt strangely apprehensive, even as Elliot reached into his trousers pocket and pulled out a beautiful old emerald ring. Daisy shook her head, returned her attention. She'd been expecting this, asking for it. Yes. She said. Elliot pulled himself up and hugged her. The restaurant cheered. College students around them hollered as Daisy slid the engagement ring on her finger. It had taken until her hands had wrinkled to find her perfect match. But she was sure glad she did. They enjoyed a slice of cake for dessert. The waiters handed them flutes of champagne. She really was happy, she thought, when they finished their meal and stood up to leave. They walked outside, ready to head home, But Elliot turned to her and said he'd forgotten to use the restroom. And as we know, I'm getting old. Daisy laughed and kissed him on the cheek. See, she thought, he made her happy. After Elliot walked back into the restaurant, Daisy began to think about the wedding plans. She had just imagined a strawberry salad first course when she was interrupted. Well, fancy seeing you here, carrot. Robbie was walking down the street He was carrying a bag of durian and wearing his dumb purple fedora. Her stomach clenched like something had tickled it. Are you following me? She asked. Not at all, he said. Just dropping off some produce at a customer's. How's your evening going? Daisy's whole body grew hot with nerves. She didn't know what to say, so she just held up her ring and said, This. Robbie looked surprised, but not as bothered as she realized she'd hoped. "Mm, That sure is a pretty rock, he said, but for an engaged woman, you don't look so happy. Suddenly, Daisy's stomach churned. She grew clammy. I am. Robbie shrugged. Well, if you say so, he said, turning to walk away. But that made Daisy feel even weirder still. Nauseous and dizzy, like she was out of her own body and impulsive, She walked after him, tapped him on the shoulder. She stood as close to him as she could, his face so close she could feel his breath. Yes, Carrot, he said, his voice low and husky. She leaned in, then she threw up. Coming up, Daisy makes a big choice.
1: I'm Sarah Turney. Host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify.
0: Now, back to the story. Daisy wiped puke off her cheek. Robbie had made her so flustered that she'd thrown up right in front of him. She was so embarrassed. ''You okay, Carrot?'' he asked, offering his sleeve. ''I'm fine,'' she said. Then she looked down at her left hand. She'd gotten bile on her new engagement ring. ''Just go,'' she told Robbie, wiping the stone on her dress. What had she been thinking? She loved Elliot. She did. Robbie was all wrong for her. Go, she said again. So he tipped his fedora and went. Soon after, Elliot emerged from the restaurant. Daisy must have looked pale because he said, What happened? You look ill. Daisy shook her head. It's nothing. Probably just the food. Then she turned and let Elliot walk her home. Robbie wasn't at the market the next day, and thank goodness. Without him around, Daisy felt like she could finally think with a clear head. When the market slowed, she pulled out her old astrology guidebook and turned over and over again to the chapter on compatibility, only to confirm what she already knew. Robbie was a horrible match for her. Virgo and Aquarius Ascendants should despise each other from the moment they meet. Her nurturing, homey Cancer Sun was no match for the detachment of an Aquarius, and her Virgo moon needed order and logic. To be fair, she didn't know the rest of his chart, but she did know she had worked her whole life to find the right relationship, and a triple Aquarius would never fit the bill. For the next few weeks, Daisy mostly avoided Robbie, even as his durian sales became the talk of the market. Instead, She focused on planning her wedding with Elliot and tended to her garden, preparing her carrots for a fall harvest. But it had been more difficult as of late. In August, a series of flash storms had made it difficult for her to measure the water in the soil, which had become unevenly distributed. Plus, Elliot had grown nervous about the weather. He'd begun talking about moving even more north to Maine, which confused her. He was a Taurus. He was supposed to like staying put, He wasn't supposed to get anxious easily or want to move. And then, in September, her carrots completely withered. She had nothing to sell at the market. Meanwhile, Robbie's durian flew off the table. Everyone said it was more delicious than ever, as if it had thrived in the storms. She thought deeply about what to do, measuring the soil multiple times. But even as she researched replanting and nitrogen delivery, Only one solution ever seemed right. Go see Robbie. So eventually, she did. His house was a charming blue cottage on the edge of town, with a brick pathway leading up to the front door. Storm clouds stirred overhead, threatening rain. Daisy knocked, then knocked again. After what felt annoyingly like the longest few minutes ever, Robbie emerged wearing an orange robe. Her stomach fluttered. (laughs) <laughs> "'Well, well, what can I do for you, carrot?' he asked. "'You can teach me how you garden,' she said. "'But that's it.' He led her back to his backyard, which was the most disorganized mess of a garden she had ever seen. There were weeds everywhere, plants growing every which direction, and durian falling off the tree. "'You work like this?' she said. "'You ask me for help, remember?' he said. I just want to know how you measure the water levels, Daisy said, bending over to examine the soil of the beets. He pulled her up. First, I need to teach you a different framework of thinking. Now, I want you to look at the plant. What do you see? Beets, she answered. Robbie shook his head. No, that's the name of the object. What do you see? Daisy squinted. It was a bed of beets, nothing else. Next to it were some flowered azaleas, but that wasn't the answer either. No, no, don't think about the object. Just look at its innate properties. What you see is a crumbly brown texture, then a smooth ribbed red and waxy green. He knelt down, then traced his fingers along the leaves. You see shadow there, and light there, and come on, look closely and tell me. Daisy grew only more frustrated. What she saw were beets. She wanted to punch, Robbie. But she knelt down, squinted again, and tried to look gently at the beets. She explained how she saw a rough brown patch on the edges. Good, he said. Now I want you to pick one up and lick it. Daisy immediately revolted. That's disgusting. Come on, he said, egging her on. You're so close. So Daisy said, fine, and pulled a beet out of the ground. She brought it to her mouth, pressed her tongue to its tip. She could taste the soil. Immediately, her stomach squirmed and she had the urge to wet her lips. They were dry and brittle. How do you feel? Robbie asked. Honestly, thirsty. Robbie pulled her up and hugged her. Exactly. So water them just enough. You have to use your intuition, Carrot. Daisy smiled widely, feeling giddy in Robbie's arms. She sensed that same tingling sensation in her stomach again, but this time it felt... Good? What was it? Excitement? Was that it? Suddenly, it got very cold and started to rain. Hard. But Robbie didn't even acknowledge it. Instead, he stared deep into her eyes and she felt it even more strongly now, but so strongly that again, she felt sick. Daisy pulled away. What's wrong, Carrot? he asked. I just... well... she said, stammering. It was all too much... feeling for her. Too much for her stomach to handle. She had to go. She thanked Robbie for his time and walked out. He called after her, saying, Daisy... Daisy, please talk to me, using her name as if finally he'd dropped his goofy nature and gotten serious. But she had to get home. To Elliot. He was who she'd been waiting for her whole life, not some purple and orange-wearing triple Aquarius. She drove home, watching the temperature drop quickly as she went. Soon, the sky got darker and the rain turned to snow. Another strange autumn storm She got home and ran inside as fast as her old legs would go. She rubbed the snow off her sweater in the entranceway and called out for Elliot. It's snowing pretty hard out there, honey. She got no response. The heat was on, but he wasn't in the living room nor in the kitchen. Eventually, she found him packing his suitcase and hers. Where are we going? She asked. This storm is supposed to get worse over the next couple days. We should leave before the power goes out he said, throwing a jacket in his bag. Oh, come on, Elliot, let's be sensible here. The weather report says it's just a bit of snow. Elliot paused and looked out the window. My instincts tell me something else. Daisy sighed. To her, it looked like just another heavy snow. But if he was right, and they were left for days without heat or power, she'd regret it. She'd moved to New Hampshire to get away from the weather in the South, where every year massive storms threatened power lines and food supplies. Daisy glanced out the window towards her garden. Her life's work. She felt heavy and sad. The storm would devastate it. But for some reason, she didn't feel the urge to save it. She would grab a few carrots, maybe. But if anything, it was the universe's way of telling her it was time for a new chapter. Okay," she said, I'll bring the suitcases to the car. Elliot turned on the car and instructed it to head for his kid's house in Maine. He held her hand as the car turned up the street, stroking her ring finger. Daisy smiled at him. It was sweet, gentle, and polite. And yet, all she could think about was Robbie, offering his sleeve for puke. Daisy glanced at Elliot. Her breath caught in her chest, as if he was suddenly a stranger. Something felt… wrong. Something she didn't understand, but her body did. She began to hyperventilate. ''Daisy, what's wrong? Should I pull over? Do you need the hospital?'' Elliot asked. Daisy shook her head. She pulled out her tablet and tried to search. Hot flashes, tight chest, stomach issues, but her fingers shook and autocorrect didn't work properly. I don't know. I've I've never felt like this before. Elliot pulled over. Are you in pain? It's a heart attack, isn't it? Like your sister. Daisy put her hand up. No, no, it's just... I don't know about leaving. Elliot sighed. I get it. It's terrifying not knowing how things will turn out, but... You've just got to go with your gut. Suddenly... A huge breath filled Daisy's lungs. She looked down at her tablet and threw it out the window. I need you to take me somewhere, she said. Elliot said he didn't understand, but Daisy did. Please, just go. When they arrived at Robbie's house, Daisy took a big deep breath and turned to Elliot. He was a perfect match, but she didn't feel anything at all. Tell me, she said. What do you feel when you look at me? Do you feel butterflies in your stomach? Elliot looked down at his hands, as if he had to think about it. Not usually, but that's a feeling for youth. Daisy pressed him. How do you know I'm the one then? He shrugged. You always told me I was the one for you, so I assumed it was true. Daisy pulled off her ring and handed it to him. He held it for a beat, then put it in his pocket as if he understood. Daisy grabbed her bag, kissed him on the cheek, then left the car. She ran up to the door and knocked loudly. She knocked again and then again harder. She figured she just had to knock loudly enough to drown out the wind. After a minute of banging, the door finally opened. Robbie stood in the frame. Carrot? He said, hopeful. Daisy's stomach blossomed with butterflies, as if they'd been waiting her whole life to wake up. She grabbed his hand. I better not regret this, she said. Then she pulled his head to hers and kissed him. When Robbie pulled away, Daisy swayed with laughter. She'd never before felt so elated or so right. Want some durian? Saved a few from the snow, he said. Daisy reached into her bag and pulled out a few carrots. Perhaps we can cook something together. Robbie nodded and invited her in. That evening, as the snow fell, they made a rice dish with chilies, carrots and durian. Daisy didn't think about whether any of the ingredients were supposed to go together, nor even about Robbie's chart. Everything felt right in her stomach and her heart. It was the best meal of her life. Your North Node will often tell you what you need to work toward. Daisy's North Node, for example, was in Pisces, the house of instinct and undoing. So to feel fulfilled, she needed to tap into her intuition, her gut feelings. But developing your North Node can often feel uncomfortable, even if you know you should. Someone with North Node Cancer, South Node Capricorn, for example, will be very comfortable in positions of control. They'll have far more difficulty being nurturing or vulnerable. While someone with opposite nodes, North Capricorn and South Cancer, will be very good at matters of the heart, but need to learn to take some control. And to use one more example, someone with north node gemini and south node sagittarius will have lived many past lives full of philosophy and travel but in this life they need to focus their attention and learn to settle down someone with north sagittarius and south gemini will likely be active and comfortable in their local community but need to go see the world this north node is your soul's purpose and something your soulmate might help you learn. But as for knowing who that soulmate actually is, well, my friend, astrology might help you, but it might also make you more confused. Because the truth is, there's a million and one ways to analyze your own chart and that of others. What makes love so special is its unknown, intangible and inexplicable qualities. It's the commitment you want to give, the favours you want to do just because. It's checking in each day with your partner and making sure you're still on the same page. It's the butterflies in your stomach. Love isn't something you can measure, and it's certainly not something that superstition can predict. The phrase, star-crossed lovers, does have a certain magical quality to it, because magic is what love is. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions and our four-part series on the astrology of love. Join us next week for a very magnificent episode on A Royal's Touch. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Superstitions was written by Stacey Niemick, with writing assistance by Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Erin Lan. I'm Alastair Murden.